0: Somebody asked me a rather strange question the other day. It's a very simple question. Which is better, water or fire? Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Morted News Podcast. As always, if anybody wants to contact me, they can do so. My address is jim at themaltedmuse.com And of course, there's the website themaltedmuse.com where you will find more information, links and a contact form that you can use as well. Now. I have in front of me two different whiskies, and they are very different from each other. One is full of peat, and the other one's full of corny sweetness. And as soon as I start to taste them, I begin to compare them to each other. Now this is a natural and common thing to do. As a consumer, I have this desire to find the best one. I only have so much money. And I want the best I can get for that money. But how do I know which is best? Well, one way is to remember from past experience which one I found best from before. But if I've never had them before, well, what then? Maybe I could find out what other people thought about them. There is no shortage of people and places to go for for this help. Every year there are books published that give scores to whisky. Every month, week and day there are magazines, websites, blogs and podcasts full of such information. If only they could agree with each other. The monthly podcast Scotchcast do an interesting thing. Usually three but sometimes more people drink the same whisky say what they think about it, and then compare their notes to each other. Normally, they also compare what they're saying to around about two whiskey experts. The interesting thing is how regularly they actually disagree with each other, and also with the experts, and how often the experts disagree with each other as well. This disagreement is not uncommon. In fact, it appears to be the norm to have experts finding different things from each other in the same whiskey. This makes it very confusing. Again I say, if only they could agree. Well, personally, I'm glad that they do disagree. It would be a dull world if they all said the same thing. Instead, their disagreements... Not only give variety, but show how we are all different and get different things. And listening to others get those things adds to it and helps us find more things. I recently tasted a new make spirit with Adrian from Bakewell's Redram. Now, I tasted something in that new make spirit, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I can remember saying to Adrian oh, what is that taste there's something there I just can't quite get it suddenly it came to me mushrooms I said Adrian laughed at me and he nosed it and as he nosed it I said again mushrooms it's brown mushrooms what posh mushrooms he said yeah just there in the background and, you know he stopped laughing then now you've said that, he said. Now you've said that, I'm getting it. In fact, I can't get mushrooms out of my head. And this is one of the few things about tasting notes that I like. They can help identify those flavours or scents or textures or colours. You just can't quite put your finger on. But you must have the confidence to say, No, nope, I don't get that. Or, yes, I do get that. Or I'm getting something different. Now, on the whole, I've got used to doing that in my life. And as I'm not a master blender, it's it's a good enough level for me to be at. What often happens next is after people have discussed it, they've tasted it, they've nosed the whiskey, they've had their little discussions, they've said what they're getting from it. What often happens at that point, it seems, is people then give the whiskey a score. Now this I find very difficult. If I taste apple and you don't, so what? Does that really matter? If I say that this whisky is a 10 out of 10 and you say it's only a 1, well we could have a little bit of a problem, not a big problem. I'll just have more for me. Rating whisky is a problematic area though. I mean, let's start with the basics. What scoring system do you use? Now, is that a maximum points of 5 out of 5? Or are you going to have a scale that goes up to 10 or to 100? Do you use half points? Or some people do, quarter points. So you could have a whiskey that's 9 and 3 quarters. Do you give an overall score? Or do you give component scores? For nosing, for taste, for finish, etc, do you adjust the score to relate to the price category? Do you score for packaging, for promotional material, for production methods, for creativity, for green issues etc 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 do you taste all your whiskies at the same time of day in the same weather, in the same place? It must you in the same mood. Do you taste them more than once? Do you taste them blind? Or do you know about them first? And is knowing about them part of the experience and should be scored as well? Now, all that may sound a little bit over the top, but almost all of the above factors can actually be seen in some of the many methods of scoring. Now, the other thing is, who's actually doing this? Who are the people that are doing the scoring? Some people could argue that only the best trained experts should score whisky. I think this is rubbish. Why? Because we all do it in some way. In some way or another, we all do score whisky. Give somebody a whisky and they will think to themselves, how much do I like this? Or how much don't I like this? Scoring is just a more elaborate way of doing that. I've got these two whiskies in front of me, I'll take a sip of one, I'll take a sip of the other, and without even thinking about it, I will think to myself, I'd like that one better than that one. The problem is that when those things are then published, they become available for all to use. This need not be a problem except when people then rely on them. Joe Public wants a good whiskey. He looks at the internet and finds a list of scores. That will do, he thinks to himself. But those scores do not reflect his tastes, just the person who did those scores taste. My fear is that marketing people could well use and then be used by them, creating a range of manufactured scores and encouraging a uniform whiskey of good quality that hits those markers that tend to get the better scores. Then what happens to the quirky, the charismatic and those wonderful individual whiskies? The reality is that giving a score to a whiskey is little more than saying how much you and only you like it. So how do you know a whiskey is a good whiskey? it's easy you know isn't it it's easy if i like it it's a good whiskey if i love it it's a great whiskey if i don't like it well it can still be a good or even a great whiskey but not just one for me if it is a dead mouse in it well that's a bit different it could be a great whiskey with a dead mouse in it if it isn't overly sweet gives you a headache it's unbalanced and smells of ketones and has been lazily made in bulk, then it's a bad whisky. However, it can also be argued that the practice of giving scores can encourage whisky makers, encourage them to push themselves to try and make better whiskies, to experiment. And I think there is a good argument for this. My view is a simple one. Tasting notes can be interesting, occasionally helpful. I stopped taking notice of scores some time ago, although I must confess to a little bit of excitement when I hear a high score being given to a whisky. I must also confess having a little laugh recently when someone gave a surprisingly low score, 46 out of 100, for a whisky that I had thought was actually very good indeed. Then they realised they'd read out the ABV, not the score. It was actually 46% ABV. The actual score it got was up in the 90s. Big difference. But simple mistakes like that, you know, they're easily made. The thing is, there is actually only one true whiskey expert in the whole of the world when it comes to saying if a whiskey is good or not and that is you. You are the only one who knows if you like it or not. That's my view anyway. Now to give some wider balance to this episode I asked some other whisky drinkers and experts what they thought about published whisky ratings.
1: I think it's good, but you have to take it in the right spirit. Right. One of the things I love is reading Jim Murray's Whiskey Bible and reading what he says and go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's wrong. Oh no, that's silly. No, 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 no. Or something I did with a particular whiskey, and I think I'd better name his name, is that Jim Murray gave it a bad writer. And we had some sent to us as a sample. And we thought, oh, we'll try this, because Jim gave it a really bad writer. In fact, it, what he said about it was adequate. Right. <laughs> So we tried this whisky and we thought it was really quite nice. So we put it on the counter and we sort of gave people taste of it. Quite a lot of people thought it was great and nice. But I think it's good if you actually disagree with the people and sort of talk about it and it gets people thinking about different whiskies and that sort of thing so that's what it so in a way events like this are very yeah. good
0: because they actually are helping people Absolutely. become educated into the variety yeah look at the tasting ratings yeah but at the same time form their own opinions. yeah now that was the voice of adrian murray from the Wee dram in bakewell and i recorded that at Wee dram fest um, a short while ago when i'd finished speaking to adrian i then went to cross the room to Peter Mackay of the Scottish Liqueur Centre and ask Peter the same question.
1: I think, I think one thing with ratings is, is, is everyone who knows about whisky and who works in the industry knows that whisky is of personal preference. I mean if you go around the room today you've got whiskies from all different regions of Scotland and all different taste profiles. One guy's favourite oh, might be this side of the room and another guy's favourite might be other side of the room. If you take, a, you know, if you take a certain whisky writer, for example, may give a malt like Ardbeg, for example, a very high rating. However, Ardbeg might not be to some other whisky lovers' palate because of its heavy peated, peated, peatiness. Um, but, but then, to other people's palate, that's all that will do. Um, so, to, to answer your question. Um, I don't agree with it, to be honest. I don't agree with the number rating and putting a figure on it. Um, obviously, there's uh, you know you've got to see what the appearance is like, the nose, palate, and then your conclusion of quality. So there is a process to seeing how good a whiskey is, but you've also got your own personal opinion. But a, a sort of scoring system, I think, is it, it not, not it's not suited to whisky. Um, it's suited to a lot of other things, but to whiskey I think it's such a personal thing. Uh, that it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't quite suit single malt whiskey yeah
0: so to summarize what you say would it be fair to say that you don't think it's such a good idea mm-hmm. but that the industry and the whiskey drinking public are wise enough firm enough to actually withstand that yeah, sort of...
1: I think that we're so lucky in this country that we have we have fantastic stores like Adrian's shop the wee dram where if you know absolutely nothing about whiskey and you want to get started and you go to him and you tell him that, he will set you up and on the right foot. And I think that's the most important thing with whiskey, It's not about number ratings, it's about just getting set on the right path and tasting the right things and just moving up along. It's, it's a journey, a journey. Whiskey is a journey, it's your own personal journey in whatever way you want to take it. Um, but I think you're so lucky with so many independent shops now with guys that have been doing whiskey for their, for their lifetime, um, they they know what they're talking about. So, and also you've got, as you know here, you've got a lot of very knowledgeable whisky drinkers. Yeah. So they can make their, their own minds up. So it's you know it's a bit like um, you get a review in a magazine for a car, and the the the, the, the guy writing it doesn't think the car is very good, but it, you love it. It's whisky's exactly the same. You know, some guy might not like one having eighty six because. It's not pretty enough. But of course, we're standing here, and we're really enjoying it. Yeah. But as, that's a that's a perfect example. You know, you've got a fantastic whiskey, but putting a number rating on it is it's not really fair to to, to say um, because you get some other whiskies which are great everyday, nice, smooth drinking whiskies, but you would say, oh no, that's not complex, enough. Which, it just doesn't fair. Every whisky is to its own, I think.
0: Now, all respect to Peter, but he's a young man. He is a young man. Let's let's try the other end of the age range and let's see what John Black from Tully Barden distillery what does he think about this subject?
2: It's that's quite a personal you know uh, somebody it's it's like writing a novel, it's their creation. And scoring whiskey similar. I mean that's what they perceive the whiskey to be, yeah, you know, the score. But people should experiment within themselves, you know, try different whiskies take a little note to put the, um, and score them themselves what they think. You know, uh, like a lot of whiskey books are written as well. They're written by people who are passionate about whiskey. They've probably never worked in the whiskey industry yeah. but they're very good at putting pen to paper. You know, so there's, yeah. there's... So your advice would be whiskey ratings are okay but make your own mind up. Make your own mind up. A the guide quite a good guide and a lot of people swear by them, you know, yeah. they, they look at the, and they're, they're never far away from but again it's very personal, and even here today the range we've got, people who prepare either the H.O. to the eighty eight or the 93, so it's a very personal thing, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, and You'll find also as well as the reading but they'll give little comments on the different sweetness and all the different parts of the whiskey as well in these same books, you know. So that they are again if you like that style of whiskey. Yeah. But the best thing is make your own. Make Thank your own and have fun with it.
0: I also spoke to Mike Watmo, who was at Weedram Fest, representing Aaron Distillery. Now, Mike had already said to me that Customer feedback is very important to the Aaron distillery. They get information from customer reviews. They get information from verbal feedback when people are looking at the distillery. They want to know what the customer wants and what the customer thinks. But that's not quite the same as whiskey ratings in the form that we've been talking about. So what did he think about whisky ratings?
3: From a personal point of view, and it is a personal
2: point of view, I would say that everybody's palate is different. And whenever I do whisky tastings, I encourage people to be what we are, which is individuals.
3: And I think everybody's rating is different. I've had people today who absolutely love a port, and they're not too fussed
2: about the Amarone finish, I've had people who have run across to the Weedram to buy them out of Amarone finish, over the pork finish,
3: I've had people who like the 10 over the 14, the 14 over the 10, I think it's a massively individual
2: thing and, and what we try and do is listen to the whole.
0: I also spoke to David Doig of Fetacan Distillery, now I am apologise for the poor sound quality on this snippet, it's worth listening to, even though it's very short.
2: That's an individual. We've got two hundred people in this room. Uh, so yes, if you're and if you were to take all these people and shut them in a the room on their own, they would all score these lists different. Yeah. All you've been scoring is is an individual scoring. That's his personal preferential tools. Different when you're getting a panel of judges and you're taking an average
0: and finally, the views of Jim McEwen from Brookladdy Distillery. Jim expresses his view about this, shall we say, very clearly. Jim, can I just change very, very, very quickly? What do you think about whiskey ratings? Do you think? Rubbish. I think it's absolutely rubbish,
3: most of <clears> them.
0: <throat> uh, I mean, they are so
3: diverse. Um, it's not that the ratings are so bad, it's the hundreds of people who are making the ratings who have never actually spent a day, mm. far less a week, far less a lifetime in a distillery. They've never lived with casks, they've never, and yet, because they've got a site or whatever they've got, they put out stuff, I mean, it's just shocking. And I've been judging internationally now for almost a few years, and the difference between the professional and the amateur is huge, uh, as you would expect, because they are professional. but some of the stuff I read in scores uh, are just... I just can't relate to it at all. I mean when I'm doing a if I'm doing a nosing note for a whiskey, it'll take me two hours to do one whiskey. Mm. In a competition you've got to move fast. But you know, you've got a lot of judges in. Uh, and you think and you look at Cas just by looking at Cas say, well, hey, you're a bit tired. Maybe you're gonna have to move the whiskey out of you. I don't believe half the ratings, because I don't believe in half the people who write them have the necessary required knowledge to give the rating and I remember when we opened Brufladi, Brufladi was getting 70s and 60s and 50s, people didn't know Briflady. and I recently got a, a very very nasty uh, mail to say that uh, people don't like your Brufladi whisky because uh, whiskey, the distillery closed because the whisky was inferior and you're putting it in coloured bottles to hide mm. the defects and I thought, I don't deserve this and neither yeah. do the people of Bravadi or the people of Islay I spent a whole year going through every barrel it took me a year, not every day going through every barrel that we had purchased when we bought the distillery when I found a cask that was substandard I immediately took the whisky from that cask and put it into a fresh bourbon to get it back to life it took me a whole year and here was this guy coming in Big website, uh, big blog, and he had the cheek to say this, and I'm thinking, I don't remember you being with me that year. Yeah. I don't you remember you actually being in this distillery. I don't remember you meeting you in the industry, and here you are, abusing me and the good people who work with me b- because you have this thing, the distillery clothes because the whiskey was poor, and you're putting it in coloured bottles to hide it. And this guy gives scores. Yeah you know what gives them the right of course they have the right to do it it's everybody's opinion and I can't but when it's going to print and people read it uh, I mean Jim Murray's book Jim is out there he's outspoken he's hitting big scores he says as it is that's Jim's style if you look at Whiskey Magazine some of the scores that Jim Gibbs would be a mile away from whisky magazine which should be a mile away from the malt advocate yeah. so it's very very difficult for the consumer to, to really find somebody who's scoring and given a reason for the scores, I am fed up reading uh, from uh, various magazines and blog sites <coughs> the nosing notes which basically are 24 flavours they just move the words around you know mm. The first guy that comes up and gives a score and tells you the reason why he's giving you the score, you can find the nosy notes yourself, God gave you a good nose, you know, and he can tell you why, it's like this, you know, why is that so brilliant? It's absolutely, the fruit's coming through and it's because that high alcohol is ripping into American bowels, it's pulling it right out, there's no dilution of water, this went into cask at 88%, you know? I want you to tell me the reason why you've given a score. I don't want you to tell me what you find. I'll find what I find because I'm not yeah. stupid. Because I'm drinking whiskey all the time. That's why I buy your magazine. I can find that myself. I'm not totally daft, you know. Please tell me the reason why you gave it 88 points. What was wrong with that? And why did yeah. you give that one? The first guy that does that, he'll have the biggest following in the world. So, yeah, some scorers are good uh, and some are just absolute and there's so much access to the whisky industry now, everybody's got an opinion, and they can hammer you, and they don't even know you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've reached a stage of my life, you know, you know after 40 years, I've heard it all. I, I'm not gonna take shit from anyone. What I say to the people who criticize me and what I do is, come to the distillery. I'll give you the distillery for a day. You show me where I'm going wrong, and give you a month. I'll give you a year. Tell me. Show me where my back cats are. Show me my stem and my mashman. I've been doing it traditionally for 40 years. Tell them. Tell the sternman what he's doing wrong. Tell the mashman what he's doing wrong. On you go. Nobody comes. Yeah. Nobody comes. There's a period now we've got to... The whiskey industry's going great. We've got to take it to the next level. The marketing guys constantly feed them bullshit. It's like feeding geese for faux gras. Just ram it down their throats, you know? stories of pipers and lions and yeah. all this stuff, you know, haggis and all this bullshit. The consumer is not a lever, he needs more information, intelligent information, and we've got to give them that. So there's going to be no hiding place behind the smoke and the mirrors of all this stuff. It's a future out there for someone who takes that on and backs it up. So, scores, some are good, majority, unbelievable because I'm
0: not telling you how they arrived at that answer. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you found it both interesting, educational maybe, um, thought-provoking, I hope, really, thought-provoking. Interesting thing is that we've been talking about whisky ratings, and... I've been sent a book to look at called Whiskey in Your Pocket by Wallace Milroy and Neil Wilson. And it's only a small book, I've read through it, and it is an interesting book because in relation to what this episode's been about, it has got whiskies in here, it's a guide to whiskies, it's got tasting notes, it's got information about each of the whiskies but it doesn't have any ratings and actually that is something i like about this book so they sent me this book it's due to come out on the 18th of november of this year um, and it's priced at £7.99 and i thought I'd like to tell you all a little bit about what I felt about this book. Now, as I said, it's called Whiskey in Your Pocket. It's by Wallace Milroy and Neil Wilson and it's published by Waverley Books. It's got 192 pages, lots of illustrations and an index, but it's got no glossary. Now, let's be clear about this book from the start. It is not an encyclopedia, it does not cover everything, and it is not about whiskies from anywhere other than Scotland, although Bushmills is in there, whilst for some reason St George's and Penderyn isn't. Not too sure about why that is. It does not have lots of anecdotes and it does not advise about what whiskies go with what food or in what cocktail. As I said before, it doesn't give scores to the whiskies either. So that's what the book isn't. So what actually is it? Well, this book is a simple yet comprehensive portable guide to scotch. It aims to fit in the pocket and as such it's small thin and yet sturdy hard-backed, sturdy enough to handle some rough treatment. The text is well spaced. In fact, there's enough space on there for you to be able to write little notes on the side. And each whisky has got its own entry, making it easy to read on the move. The information seems accurate and covers a bit more than the basics, and whilst it does not give scores, it does give a price guide. There are a few things I'm very pleased to see, such as including not only single malts but also single grains, blends, blended malts, and blended grains. It includes a section on how whisky is made, which, to be honest, is what one expects from such publications, and although this is short, it is more than adequate for the nature of this book. I also like the fact that whiskies from mothballed and lost distilleries are included in the book. Is there anything I'd like to see different in this book? Well, to be honest, yes there is. I would have liked to see information about distilleries that one can visit. The mothballed and lost whiskies... I'd like those to be put in a different section rather than at the end of each of the regional sections. The reason for this being that it makes searching through to find a whisky easier because it's not in a clear alphabetical order. And maybe some information about whisky stockists would would have been good to have in there. I also wonder whether or not an age statement on the book would help it stand out when it gets to that point of being updated in the years to follow. Now, to be honest with you, these are only small points. In short, this book is a development of a previous book, the original Malt Whiskey Almanac. And in a way, I was a bit unfair because I I got a copy of the original Malt Whiskey Almanac and used that to compare against this book with. And that's not entirely fair, because I feel that the current form is more of a true pocket guide and quick reference than the original Mort Whiskey Almanac was. And this book, it does do that well. This is a book to carry with you when you're out looking for or you're out tasting whisky. It's got a limited brief, but it sticks to that brief really well, and that has enabled it to include more whisky. And it's not an expensive book. I think it's going to retail at £7.99. And in my view, having looked at the book, that is good value. Okay, I haven't done this before on the podcast, but I thought it would be a a useful little feature to, to squeeze in. So I'm going to experiment for a little while with this. And what it is, is giving people a little bit of a lowdown on what is in the whiskey magazines at the moment and the one i'm going to start with is the more advocate magazine which is an american based whiskey magazine obviously it comes out quarterly so it's four episodes a year and a thing i discovered quite recently thanks to john hansel who told me about this which is actually you can read the entire magazine online for free Um, Well, that's useful information. Now, having said that you can do that, I must also confess I have tried to do that recently. It looked very good. Um, All the features of going through page to page, seeing the adverts, links across them, very good. But then I kept hitting these no-entry signs. Not too sure what that was about. And on my computer did take a bit of time for each page to load up. But anyway... I'm not going to complain about that, it's free. What I'd like to do now is just tell you about some of the things that are in there. So you've got the letters page, you've got a section about new products, and you've got a section about whisky news. Um, And then you move on to articles. You have Beyond the Barrel. Japanese distillers have some ideas on growing the market that Scotland should consider. An article there by Dave Broom. You have an article called... A Lighter Dram, and the little subtext of this. Got a bar? Do Terry a favour, put a sign on it, by Terry Sullivan. Small stills, a rising number of American malt whiskies are coming, and they're a varied bunch, by Charles K. Caldrey. And American Spirit, States Rights, the 21st Amendment and Bourbon, Volatile Mix, by Lou Bryson. There's an article, Whiskey 101, The Cask. How Whiskey Gets Held and Changed by Wood, that's by Gavin D. Smith. And Around with Bill Owens, a pioneering figure in both microbrewing and micro distilling bears all, by Lou Bryson. And Mixographer, How the Mint Julep Became the Whiskey Julep, by David Wondrich. And Taste for Life, When Micro Brewers Get Big, What Really Changes, by Stephen Beaumont. And finally, The Young Guns of Blending. In case you hadn't noticed, some of the long-term master blenders have been retiring. Men who set the taste and tone of Scotch whisky for decades. Who's Taking Over, How Are They Trained, and What Are They Doing to Your Whisky, by Gavin D. Smith. Now there's some interesting sounding articles there and it's free to view online so you can't really complain about that. I hope um, your attempt to view it goes smoother than mine has. I will certainly return to it and I hope the information I've given you will entice you to view that publication. It's a good publication. It's been going for a long time. I've been aware of it for a long time but strangely it wasn't until I inquired that um, I found out you could actually read it online free. Fantastic. Okay, the other thing I'd like to say now is a few items of news. I've been sent some press releases from the Scotch Whiskey Association, and I'd like to sort of give a quick summary of some of those. The first one um, actually is the most recent one came out Tuesday the 9th of November and it's members of the Scottish Parliament are being urged to reject minimum price plan and push for fair and responsible excise taxation. Now I wanted to read this one out to you because it's a subject close to my heart as well scotch whisky distillers have urged msps to reject minimum pricing for alcohol when the scottish parliament votes at the final stage of the alcohols bill parliamentary process on the 10th of november 2010 distillers believe minimum pricing as proposed by the scottish government would have little impact on alcohol harm but would violate EU and international trade rules leading to copycat trade barriers in export markets. This would undermine the industry and its Scottish supply chain at a time of economic uncertainty. At 45p a unit, The cost of an averagely priced bottle of Scotch whisky in Scotland would increase by 16% to £12.60, reducing the domestic market by nearly 13%. Value and own-label Scotch whisky brands would be particularly impacted. The SWA called on political parties to seize the opportunity of a current UK Treasury review to argue for a fairer and more responsible excise duty system where all drinks are taxed on the same basis. In tandem with the ban on alcohol sales below tax, a legal and transparent floor price for alcohol could be set addressing issues around the pricing of certain drinks and gavin hewitt swa chief executive said we urge msps to reject a minimum pricing proposal that simply will not work fails to meet the basic tests of eu law and which would significantly damage scotch whiskey at home and abroad Political parties should instead look at an alternative UK-wide solution to concerns around the pricing of certain drinks. Excise duty reform so that all drinks are taxed on the same basis according to alcohol content and a ban on sales below tax is a fair and socially socially responsible way forward. It would also secure over £1 billion a year extra revenue for the public finances. One of the things that I think is important here, and it comes later on in the press release, is that alcohol served as Scotch whisky is already taxed some 250% higher than the same amount of alcohol served as cider, 37% higher than beer, 30% higher than for wine. The excise duty on Scotch whisky has been raised nearly 22% since 2008. Amazing. Now that was one of the press releases that's been sent to me. Um, One of the others is that Scotch whisky export growth is bolstering the British economy. So it's nice to see that one balancing it out. Nine out of Scotch whisky's top 10 export markets grew in value over the first six months of 2010 according to new figures published by the Scotch Whisky Association on the 5th of November. Again Gavin Hewitt, Scotch Whiskey Association Chief Executive says Scotch whiskey distillers continue quietly and constantly to deliver impressive exports in many markets. It's good to get some positive news and I'm sure there's more information about that on the Scotch Whiskey Association website, just as there is for this final press release. Again from, from them, and this one came out on the 8th of November, China to protect Scotch whisky MOVE recognises Scotch Whiskey as a product of Scotland. China, an important market for Scotch whisky, has announced that it will recognise and protect Scotch whisky as a geographical indication, GI. Scotch whisky's registration as a GI in China recognising Scotch whisky can only be made in Scotland. Is the culmination of three years of discussions between the Scotch Whisky Association and the Chinese government. The announcement was made today that being the 8th of November, at a ministerial meeting in Beijing between the Right Honourable Dr. Vince Cable MP, the UK Business Secretary, and Mr. Xi Shuping, Minister of China's General Administration of Quality Supervision, Inspection and Quarantine. Again, I'm not going to read out the whole press release. That is, in a nutshell, what that was about. And it is a very important move. To say that Scotch whisky is made in Scotland sounds such a simple and obvious thing. But in the world where there is so much imitation and forgery going on within the whisky world, it's good to see countries supporting that geographical indication. Um, So that is good news. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode of the malted muse podcast as always if you want to contact me please do so the email address is jim at com. now i'm going to finish this episode with an extract from another interview that i've not actually put out on the podcast yet i'm not going to say who the person speaking is i'm not going to say what distillery it is i'm going to keep that as a surprise because that is going to be the feature of another episode i'd like to see if i can get it out for the next episode i can't promise that but it will be an episode soon very soon until then i shall leave you guessing who is it that's speaking and what is the distillery no prizes mind Thank you. And until next week, goodbye.
2: Now see one of the questions I've been asking everybody is what do you think about whiskey raising? Well, actually Jim told me that the only whiskey he's ever given a hundred points to at the International Wine and Spirit Competition was our over forty year old. Right. He said, I can't see me ever giving any other whiskey a hundred, but he said you've got it. Uh, because he, he said it's one of yeah. the finest whiskeys he's ever tasted. So with ratings like that, you're going to be happy about whiskeys? Whiskey, yes. ratings. Well, Jim Murray gave this one a 96 as well.